His name is Lyle Presler, punk rock legend and music industry vet. His name is Jim Shear, most tenured DJ in the history of music television. It's the week in music with Lyle and Jim, and it all starts now. Hello there, everybody. My name is Jim Shear, and I'm Lyle Presler. And on today's episode, we will break down the Grammys. That's about it. Grammys. I mean, yeah, I mean, we we have an hour to talk. Let's talk about the Grammys. It's the biggest night in music. That's right. I mean, like it or not, it is the standard for how we award music in America. True, true. Although there are, you know, as you know, a bunch of other types of awards out there. Yeah, VMAs. Um, yeah, VMAs. Billboard Awards. The People's Choice. American Music American Awards. American Music Awards, right. And then you have the separate ones like the Country Music Awards. Um, but, you know, interestingly, uh, weren't the, the, uh, the ratings were up. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, the ratings were up. So people did watch it. Contrary to what some people, some commentators have said about no one cares. Well, they obviously do because people are watching it. And the advertising dollars are rolling in, so somebody's watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, including me. So, I watched it. <laughs> initial impressions. My initial impressions were that it went off fine. Um, you know, James Corden did a good job by and large. Um, he didn't have nearly as much on-screen time as I thought maybe they'd give him, um, mm-hmm. but uh, he was definitely there. Um, was he was he better than LL Cool J? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Only because only because he he's a comedian, you know. Yeah, no, he's a host. Yeah, and he's a host, and he knows how to do it, and he knows how to uh, he knows how to follow on from things, and you know, if something happens, he knows how to react to it. Um, and I think that works fine for them. I mean, I, I don't know about this bouncing around with hosts. I think they ought to probably stick to somebody and stay with them for a while anyway, um, because it's like everything else. I mean, you get better at it the more you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't. I didn't find any fault in the way he conducted himself. I thought it was fine. I thought the opening was was good. You know, and, I mean, again, yeah. it's it. You know, it's. I thought, yeah, I thought it was good. I thought they could have had a better opening. I was fine with it. I didn't necessarily need to hear him rap. Yeah, true, true. I mean, it was it was good. Yeah. I, I would give I would give the opening like a B. And, yeah, and I, I mean, was expecting maybe an A minus or A from yeah, James. I, I think that's true, but I think on the other hand, all that's really designed to do is just warm it up, you know? Yeah. Just warm it up, point out people in the crowd, you know, that thing. Um and I think that uh and poke a little bit of fun at the whole thing. Um I think maybe he could have poked a little bit more fun at it. Yeah, I don't think he poked the bear enough. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you you, you sort of have to do that to try to take some of the hot air out of the balloon. Um, mm-hmm. But I agree. But you know, I, I mean, the initial impressions I had were that, and we'll get into all of it. But I thought that it was it was an okay thing. I mean, it went long, obviously, um, as it, it always it went does, really long, and. Um, and I know that's you know that's always an issue that they're going to look at, try to figure out if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, packs in some more advertising dollars, though, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was fine. I mean, you got to remember, I'm like watching this thing with you know with my wife and kid, and you know everyone's sort of reacting to something different, and you know people are missing stuff, and people are online, and people are talking, and whatever. <laughs> what what grade would you give it? 
overall, uh, by the standards of Grammys, mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'd probably give it a B. Okay. I'd probably give it a B. I thought there were some good performances. Um, but again, I mean, Jim, my expectation level is, is fairly low. The bar is pretty low here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as it's... As long as it's just so that's a, a weighted score, a weighted B. Yeah, it's a weighted B, definitely. It's on a cur- okay. we're grading on a curve here, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely doing that. Yeah, I'm going. I'm somewhere between a B minus and a C plus. Okay. Because someone tweeted me and they said, "Is this the worst Grammys ever?" And I said, "No, it's not the worst Grammys ever." Well, it's no. not the greatest Grammys ever. No, I mean anybody who thinks it's the worst Grammys ever never watched it, say during the the seventies and eighties. You know, <laughs> when it was just just almost completely unwatchable. So it was bland. Yeah, yeah. It's got a lot more flavor now. So, um, wow, where to begin? <laughs> I, I guess let's start with Adele and Beyonce. Right. Because I have, I've had friends who have taken this to a really deep level, mm. connecting it with the problems of society. Right. And I was trying to say to them, listen, man, the Grammys is just messed up on its own. Because <laughs> a lot of people blasting the Grammys saying that they're racist, and then they inter- interviewed Neil Portnow, and he's like, well, we're not racist. Chance the Rapper was best new artist. How could we be racist if that happened? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. So do we take it? Do we take it to a deep level, or do we just say, "Man, the Grammys are messed up." Well, I mean, the, the other, yeah, on its I own mean, thing. Like we don't have to, we don't have to connect it to anything else. Well, I don't think I really don't think you ought to connect it to anything else. I, I think that that you can connect. Listen, you can connect an artist, and you can say, "What does this artist sing about? What are, what is their position on things? How do they act?" Um, What's their music trying to tell me? And I think that's all fine. But when you've got, you know, what, let's, let's face it, we've got a group of highly paid, very egotistical individuals in a room, okay, some of whom care very much about winning a Grammy for various reasons. Mm-hmm. New, new artists want a Grammy because it helps springboard their careers, uh, yes. uh, established artists want sort of validation, and a lot of them don't really care that much. They're just there for the thing. They're they're happy to be nominated. They're happy to be in the company of their peers. But but let's face it, most if not all of them are millionaires or soon to be millionaires. They are the, mm-hmm. they are the one percent. They're part of the one percent. Okay, or at least the five percent of the mm-hmm. world of the world. And so, as a result, I think it's a big mistake to take that group of people and then try to extrapolate their behavior or everything else out into the wider society. Um, and, and as I've said on, on this podcast, um, if anybody's really interested, it's fairly easy to find out sort of the mechanisms that, that, that are at play in the Grammy process. And the one that's most important to me, anyway, is the fact that tens of thousands of people vote. Um, mm-hmm. And and I mean, I'm I could vote if I wanted to pay the dues. I could vote. I have enough credits to vote. Um, and yet, I'd rather go out to dinner with the money that I'd spend on the dues. So you know, <laughs> and 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 I mean, so therefore, I kind of feel because I kind of feel because I don't choose to vote. I kind of feel like I, I need to be careful not to be too critical because if I really cared, I would vote. And if I really, mm-hmm. really cared, I'd approach it from a standpoint of what can be done. The problem I have with people criticizing the process is they never, ever give us an alternative way of doing it. 
They criticize it. They criticize the nomination process. They criticize the voting process. But nobody ever says, and this is how we should do it instead. Mm-hmm. They just don't because they know there is no answer. I mean, if you think through it, what do you do? Do you give the fans a chance to do it? Well, then that's the American Music Award. I mean, that's the uh, People's mm-hmm. Choice Awards. And so, you know, then it would just be blocks of voting by people who are only voting for their, their favorites. And so keep in mind, we're not talking about who runs the fastest right. or jumps the highest. This is music. It's very subjective. It's very personal. It's absolutely, it's not, it's not just very, it's completely. And yes. you're right, there are no statistics. Now, we could, we could ju- do it based on record sales or streams or a combination thereof or whatever. You could do it that way. And in the old days, that tended to be more the way it was done. Um, you know, records that sold a lot. Because the other thing to remember is this is the Grammys. Who are the Grammys? The Grammys are the Recording Industry Association of America. That is a trade group, okay? A trade mm-hmm. group representing the recording industry, however you want to call it, whatever is in the recording industry these days. It used to just be the major labels, major distributors. Now it's branched off, and we saw with Chance, it can also be someone doing their own record and being a streaming-only record. But essentially, this is a trade group having its own award show. This is not supposed to be the public's chance to decide who's the best. And again, like you say, it's entirely subjective. And having been a person who has filled out Grammy voting forms for people, not my own, but I was told, here, Lyle, you do this. Okay, you know, so I can tell you that of the people who are issued ballots, I would guarantee you that very, very few of them actually, A, know most of or all of the music that's being voted upon, or take the time to even think about it that much. It's just, it's like a... Lazy voting. Yeah, it's lazy voting, and, and... and they just go, they'll look down the list and they'll, they'll see a name and they'll go, oh yeah, I, I know that one. And they'll vote on it. So whether it's the casual person just filling out their ballot going, oh yeah, country music. Oh, there's uh, Lyle Lovett. I'll vote for him. You know, which happened a lot. In fact, I heard that Lyle Lovett begged his record company not to submit him under country because he didn't consider himself to be a country artist. Pentatonix yeah, won he, a uh, country he, Grammy, right. which made no sense to me. Right, and and that may be an accusation that can be leveled at the record labels for submitting things that really aren't appropriate. And so then you say, well, they submit them, and what's the filtering process? Well, again, the filtering process comes down to a group of people who are responsible for the nominations. I just I just find this this sort of easy equations that we make. This person didn't win, so that equals this is practically impossible to do. I just don't think so it works. So we agree it's it's a flawed system. Oh, it's flawed. So let's go into some yeah. let's go into some actual moments now. Okay. Uh, Metallica, Lady Gaga. What did you think? Well, I, I and thought we're so. going to talk about the unplugging of the mic right. later. But what did yeah. you just think of the performance? Well, I mean, it's interesting to me because the, it was a much harder song than than normally Metallica would do uh, at at a Grammy. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. I didn't. I didn't like the staging at all. I just think whenever you put up a, a bunch of, you know, volunteer or paid people to pretend like they're rocking out is just. I mean, yes. I was. I was. I was very disappointed with that. It doesn't seem Metallica to me. Um, like, wasn't there one person in the meeting that said, "No, we don't need background dancers. Yeah, we don't just need... eliminate that. We have a giant wall of fire. That's right. enough. We don't need that, and it looks silly." 
Um, you know, and it also it also smacks of the and I'm, I apologize to any of my friends who've done this, but um, hey, let's hear the left side now. Oh, you guys sound kind of weak. Okay, let's go over the right side now. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff is like, ugh, yuck. Um, if you're Metallica, you certainly don't need that. Everybody knows that people go crazy at Metallica concerts. They don't need a bunch of people sort of lamely dancing around, smashing into each other to prove it. I thought that, I thought that Lady Gaga did a fine job. I didn't expect anything less from her. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought, you know, I mean, she's perfectly capable of belting it out. She, she was moving around. She looked fine, and and Metallica does what it does, and it was fine. And and I guess I liked their response afterwards, which was very positive. They were very, they they didn't complain about anything, and they they basically said they were very happy with being allowed to do the song they wanted to do, and and they thought she did a great job, and they joked about making her a member and. You know, I thought it was all very positive. Yeah, at the end. and we'll we'll talk about the dead Mike. Yeah, later on this later on in this episode, um, the Bee Gees tribute. Well, a lot of old timers didn't like that. Yeah, I mean, because I, I was watching, I'm like, okay, they're singing Bee Gees songs, but a lot of people who are from that era said, "This is an atrocity. You should have gotten other people to sing." Yeah, I said, yeah, I, I get that. I, I don't. I mean, again, it's sort of like. I mean, what's his name seemed to like it. I mean, you know, isn't he the one that we care about, Barry? I mean, Barry liked it, so I don't know. I mean, in all seriousness, it's a tribute, okay? Unless the unless the the tributee or tees are out there going like, "Oh my God, this is horrible," you know. I just think that's something that's left better left not judged. If you didn't enjoy it, you didn't enjoy it. I thought it was fine. Now, why know? did the Grammys randomly pick people to tribute? Why do they do that? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's another thing. I mean, because, I mean, there was a lot of artists that died last year that they could have paid tribute to, but they paid tribute to the Bee Gees randomly. Yeah. yeah. I think last year, was it Lionel Richie that they paid tribute to? Well, isn't there an anniversary of um, Saturday Night Fever? Is that what it was? I guess. It was 79, right? Yeah. So that's, is that any type? I don't know. I don't guess so. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can understand if it was a anniversary or something where they would say because Saturday Night Fever was such a huge record, right? You know, such a monumentally successful record. Regardless of what you think about it, it was you know just a giant record. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, those things seem. I mean, who, again, though, who knows? They might have had a list of ten things that they could tribute, and they went down the list, and it was like, nah, not that one because we can't get anybody to do it properly, or not that one because we couldn't get so and so to do it, and then finally you end up, well, we can do the BGs one, we can get a bunch of people to do it. No, why do they feel the need to always give Tori Kelly a guitar? Yeah, I don't see again. I mean, what's what's the Tori? It's like I get it, I get it. You can play guitar, but you don't need to play guitar in this song because you've got twenty guitarists behind you, right? And you're not really even playing anything. You're so, playing a couple chords. Yeah, I, I didn't get that either. I think it was uh, at the VMAs one year. She came out with the guitar. She played three chords, and then she threw the guitar into the audience. I said, well, what was the point? <laughs> what was the point of that? Just sent out a press release. Hey, Tori can play guitar, everyone. We get it. <laughs> right. Um, the George Michael tribute. Yeah. yeah. Sung by Adele. That was Fast a, love. That was a bizarre, bizarre thing. And it's funny because And we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about the mulligan later. So yeah. avoid talking about the mulligan well, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean I thought the 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 um arrangement was just so bizarre. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I understand what they were going for there. Um, but at the same time, I'm not sure that that was the right arrangement to do. Um, why do we why do we forget when artists are fun? Yeah, well, and also that's like exactly George right. Michael yeah. made a whole bunch of fun, happy music. Why do we forget that when they die? Yeah, and very upbeat music. I mean, yes, I would honestly think that, um, and we always do this, but if George Michael were sitting in that room, he would have gone, "Hey, man, come on, you know, yes. cel- celebrate me, man. That's what I, that's what I did. I did celebration. I did celebratory music, whether it was serious or not. You know, it was like his music was always vibrant." And that just seemed very mm-hmm. downcast. And I know I understand the point they were trying to make. I understand why they did it. They t- took a song called "Fast Love" that was an up-tempo song, and they they slowed it down. They tried to make it seem a little heavier, a little more co- of a commentary. But it wasn't necessary, and it, it didn't really. And I think anybody watching that who did not know George Michael would say, "Wow, that guy must have been, you know, one of those sort of morose kind of crooner dudes." And he couldn't have been yeah, further he from was the truth. A student of he was a student of big pop music. Absolutely, yeah. So I I didn't I didn't I didn't think that was a wise decision. But then there was the Prince tribute. Yeah. What did you think of Bruno doing the Prince tribute? I, now for me, go ahead. I loved it. That was my yeah. favorite performance of the night, and I said yes. This is what it's all about. Although I was talking to some serious music-minded people yesterday. And they said, well, it's, it's almost like a, a karaoke performance. I thought, that's what I wanted. I wanted well, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, of course it was a karaoke performance. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it's going to be. Um, I thought it was great. And, and I was very impressed with Bruno. I, I guess I didn't really realize he could really play guitar. And mm-hmm. and uh, while 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 Prince's guitar on that is not that complicated, he still did a very spirited version of it, and it was yeah. it was pre- it was pretty dead on. And I was impressed mm-hmm. at first. I thought maybe it was like kind of a goof that he wasn't really doing it, but he was. And yeah, and I mean, I got to say this, you know, uh, for people out there who don't play music. You know, and he's obviously supremely talented, but still, you're asking this guy who mainly just goes up there and does his own songs and does his little thing to get up there and play somebody else's tune and then play all the guitar solos with it. That's not something he does normally. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's not easy. That, I mean, you got one shot. Go. Do it. Yeah. And And it was obvious to me that he'd spent a lot of time rehearsing it. Um, and, and I was I was and I loved the time and I thought it was great. You know, I mean, I thought it was and people would say, well, it's cheesy. Well, yeah, it's cheesy, but they were always cheesy. <laughs> That's what they were. And it was great to see them older being cheesy. You now, know? when I got into a conversation yesterday mm. and I won't mention the person by name, they said at the end of the Prince tribute, it was all about, hey, Bruno Mars can play guitar. Yeah. So did you think of that? Following the performance, well, no, I didn't think of that. Did but it take away? Did it take away from Prince? Well, I, let me just say this: I remember going to see Prince at um, the Capitol Center and outside of DC on the Purple Rain tour, and I'd seen him before in a club. Um, and I sat there, and he just went absolutely apeshit on the guitar. I mean, he was like during that concert, he was, "I'm going to be Jimi Hendrix tonight," you know. And I watched a lot of people in the audience kind of glaze over. You know, 
they went mm-hmm. just wanting to hear the tunes, just wanting to hear the hits. And all of a sudden, he's like just wailing and going on extended solos in the middle of things. And I could tell that the audience was getting restless and they were kind of weirded out by it. And so Prince was like that. I mean, he would do that kind of stuff. So maybe it's okay that, that Bruno did it too. Well, maybe that's my counter argument is... Do you ask Bruno to hold back? Well, I, I know right. you can play guitar, but don't don't play guitar, Bruno, because people are just going to be talking about you playing guitar. I can't. But if he didn't play guitar, people would say, well, it's not like Prince, because Prince could also play guitar. Right, right. I, I think, yeah, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. But again, I think it's nitpicking. I mean, I really do. I just think it's like, okay, he's gonna you're going to get Bruno Mars to go out there and do that song. And he's going to do all the stuff and let him do it, you know. And and if people were seriously distracted, I think, listen, I think on, you know, if you looked at it on the whole, people walked away from that going, wow, Bruno Mars is a really, really talented guy. Like, he can sing, he can do his own stuff, he can play guitar, he can do prints. I mean, I think that's the impression people got, generally speaking. So I did a a web show, and we've talked about this subject before Mm -hmm. on the show. I did a a web show a couple years ago. Songs that you never want to hear again for the rest of your life. Okay. And I think number four or five for me was Let's Go Crazy from Prince. Okay. And this was, of course, before Prince died. When Bruno played that song on Sunday night, I thought, you know what? I didn't mind hearing that song one more time. (laughs) So maybe in retrospect, I should have let that song off my list. So at the end of the performance, it kind of shined the light on Prince again. I'm like, maybe I should revisit that song. Well, yeah. yeah, And and by the way, if you contrast that with... Uh, the George Michael tribute, then you can honestly mm-hmm. say, well, you know what? They captured the spirit of what Prince was. I mm-hmm. mean, whether it was perfect or not doesn't matter. That was what Prince was. That was what he liked to do. He liked to get up there and do that. And so that really, I think if, again, I think if you were in the audience and you didn't really know Prince and you saw this guy doing it, you go like, ah, I get that. I get what he's trying to do there. So... You can look at it that way too. Yeah, it was it was a shout out to mid eighties Prince. Absolutely, because if it was a tribute to later Prince, he would have played an obscure song that nobody ever heard of. Right. Because when he was on TV, he never played the big hits. Or, or, or they could. I don't remember they, him ever playing big or, hits. Or let's face it, Jim, they could have done a big. You know, lots of people doing nothing compares to you. You know, they, right? They could have done that, and we all would have gone purple like, rain. Or yeah, and we all would have gone like, okay. <laughs> yeah um, Beyonce's performance Five months pregnant And by the way I want to apologize to everyone I listened back to last week's show And I said yeah Beyonce's going to be a lot bigger this time Than she was last time she was pregnant You should never call a pregnant woman big So apologies to All the ladies out there My bad That's alright I'm sure um, yeah. yeah She was a lot pregnant as opposed to a little pregnant <laughs> She yeah, she was considerably you, pregnant. Yes, there you go. Well involved in pregnancy. Yes, fully involved in pregnancy. On on a, a chair that was falling off a table. Yeah, that was kind of a weird effect. Um, you know, I gotta say, like, I've read a lot about the performance, and I've heard very people I I respect, uh, critics and whatever, talk about how amazing it was. I, I, I found it to be, I mean, listen, I, let's start off by saying, I'm not questioning her talent 
at all. It, it's it's a it's a supreme talent. Right. It's an amazing talent. Yes. And yes. there's no question. And she could probably pull off just she could probably pull off almost anything that she tried to pull off. I mean, let's face yes. it, she can do it. I did find the sort of deification thing a little bit much. I, I personally, as a as an individual, I would not have felt terribly comfortable with all of the staging, um, unless it was done tongue in cheek, um, <laughs> which it wasn't. Which it wasn't, and and sort of I, I just. I don't know. I mean, I understand people want a spectacle, and it was definitely a spectacle. Um, and there was definitely some good good vocalization in there, too. But I thought a lot of it was just over the top. And I understand what I'm she's trying you. to do. I'm with you. I mean, I just, the, the notion of like 30 ladies bowing before her, it just, it just to, to a certain point, it's like, oh, please. Well, for me. Prior to Beyonce going on, I think there were three um, acceptance speeches that were cut short. The music started playing. Mm. And then Beyonce goes up there and gives a speech prior to her performance. And I thought, well, this is longer than all three of those acceptance speeches. Yeah. And she hasn't even sung a word yet. Right. And and anybody who knows anything about Beyonce know, in the professional sense knows that Beyonce is going to do what she wants to do. And you're not going to stop that. Um, and it's going to go long. It's going to be a long thing. She's not going to get up there and do three and a half minutes of a song and walk off. You know, that's just not going to happen. Um, and so she did what she does, and, and you know, you can, you can sort of, you either enjoyed it or you didn't. And I, I enjoyed parts of it, and then there were other parts where I was just like, this is just too far over the top for me. So at the MTV Video Music Awards... Mm. When she did her 15-minute medley. Yeah. Midway through, I thought, all right, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm like, I'm going to have a little protest here in my house, and I'm going to do dishes and cl- change the toilet paper in the bathroom. And so on Grammy night, that whole two-minute intro, I thought, I'm done. I'm <laughs> done. And then I, I, I started doing housework. So that's what I do now. Right. I do housework when Beyonce does performances on TV. Yeah. It... it, it, it. And the other thing is, I mean, and again, this is all about personal taste, but I think you're with me on this, that, you know, she has really good songs. Just play the song, you know? Don't, yeah. let's not do medleys, let's not morph everything, let's not change things up, let's just do the songs. Now, now again, it's not for me to say, it's not for me to say, but personally, that's what I would like to see. Um, but that's not the way she does it. So that's my and problem. <laughs> I don't even attempt to argue with people who gush about her. No. As if she is the greatest thing to come along since Jesus. Well, and, and you know, just... and the other thing to remember always, and, and I've heard this said about, you know, uh, sports is that we always want to take the newest greatest and say they're the greatest, forgetting all the people before them. So it's just a tendency. I mean, it's just a human thing, right? So we don't go and compare Beyonce to Diana Ross or to Janis Joplin or, to, you know, name your person, name whoever you want, okay? We just, we don't do that. We tend to say, oh, those people are in the past, this is the present, and the present is the greatest thing ever, it's sort of the, you know, from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, it's the Damone attitude, 
wherever you are See, is the best place to be. You know, I take yeah, I take slight exception when people say she should have won album of the year, and I think, what more can you give Beyonce? Right. She didn't go home empty-handed. I think she won two Grammys. Mm-hmm. Uh, count her Grammy total throughout the years. Oh, yeah. Everyone thinks she's the greatest. She gets to do whatever she wants. I'm like, what more do you want? Right, right. Like, Beyonce gets to do everything she wants. She doesn't win album of the year. Big deal. Right. I, I, yeah, I mean, I just I think those arguments are just ridiculous at a certain point. I mean, and I also think that it's also we're all grafting our own expectations and desires onto other people. And we really don't know what they really want either. I think, personally, I mean, this is just me. I think that Adele's, you know, bowing before Beyonce was probably worth more to Beyonce than the Grammy. I know. I think that was a moment where you're sitting. When you have the winner, when you have the winner kneel at your feet, what more do you need? Yeah, I know. that's, That's the ultimate you know, yes, you it's are better the best. than a crummy trophy. Oh yeah, absolutely. And she still got a chance to talk about her record and what she intended and all the rest of it. So she didn't she didn't walk away having no chance to express herself. She expressed herself musically. She expressed herself in her in her in her talk. And so she mm-hmm. got to do everything. And she got the winner to tell her that she was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I'll take that rather than the statue. Yeah, absolutely. I've got enough statues. Um, yeah, lots to talk about. Let's hit hit a couple more performances sure. before we take a break. Uh, the weekend in Daft Punk. Yeah, as I told you before, I just don't think that that newer song is his best work with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have preferred to just hear Starboy. But, Starboy. Yeah, but it yeah, was, I thought it was a, a a good performance. Yeah, it's fine. Swallowed up in the density of the Grammys, right? Um, Lucas Graham and Kelsey Ballerini. <laughs> I just don't know what to say about that. <laughs> so when he performed that, I thought to myself, thank God, this is the last time that we'll have to hear seven years. This well, is it. I read a critic um, who said something that I hadn't thought about was that seven years may be the most oversung song in history. <laughs> just, just the way he sings it. I didn't think about that. I knew there was something bothering me about it. And then when the guy put it into words, I was like, exactly. It's like every line. Once I was a... I mean, it's just like, it's like, dude, just pull back a little. But also the absurdity of doing the mashup. I just don't... I mean, the mashup just ends up being just a mess. It was just a mess. I mean, listen, it probably was as good as you could make it, but it's not good. So mm-hmm. I didn't go. I didn't like that at all. No, but fortunately, I think that's the last time we have to hear that live on TV. I think so. And, and he's singing about when he's sixty. You don't know nothing, man. You ain't that age yet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, a tribe called Quest. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I just It thought, was bittersweet for me because yeah. I thought if Fife Dog didn't die, A Tribe Called Quest wouldn't be on the Grammys. And in their prime, the Grammys never loved A Tribe Called Quest. Right. I right. think uh, they've had a total of three three nominations and zero wins. Right. But I think that they they came out and, and, and the way they did it and, and Anderson Pack and Busta and like it just it, it was great because it woke everybody up. It's like, no mm-hmm. one wanted to talk about any of this stuff. No one wants to say right. anything. Katy Perry did sort of a meh, meh, meh. But they came out and they're like, well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at this thing and we're going to talk about this thing and we're going to shove it in your face. And I thought it was great. I saw a meme afterwards 
And it was a fake tweet from Donald Trump, uh-huh. and it said, I take exception with what Buster Rhymes said, my name is not Agent Orange. And then it had him holding up an executive order <laughs> right. saying, my name is not Agent <laughs> Orange. <laughs> I'd never heard why, Agent why, Orange, why are so the old, Why are the, uh, the old people, why do we have to protest? Shouldn't there have been a younger band saying something? Well, and that's well, yeah, that's a good point. That's and I think I point. think that I think that plays into your song pick later today. Yeah, it does. Yeah, uh, Chance the Rapper. I I liked it. I mean, I I think that you know he has his thing. I think there are probably a lot of people out there who are puzzled. You know, it's like what this is like a Can gospel you... thing. What's going on? I'm still I'm not into Chance the Rapper. And I'm not saying that I never will be, but I'm not there yet. Yeah. I don't know who he is. Well, I'm not exactly sure who can he you, is. Yeah, can you clue me in? Well, I mean, I think, first of all, he's clearly a God-fearing man. I mean, yes. he clearly comes, he clearly taps into the gospel tradition, both in the mm-hmm. way he declaims and his choice of musical backings and stuff like that. But there's also, of course, the other side of him, which is like a little kid side. You know, so he's got those things, both those things going on. And it'll be interesting to see kind of where he goes with that. It's, I like it because I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's unique, okay? Or close to unique. Um, I don't know, I mean, I, I would be interested to see what he does next. Because I don't. Yeah, know is he going to be around in five years? That. Yeah, I don't know, and I don't, and I think that's a good point. It's like you look at a lot of these people and you say, okay, yeah, this is interesting, but where are we going with this? I mean, the same thing could be said for Lord, for instance. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. where that's going. Okay, to talk about yeah. a, a a dandy from a couple of years ago, you know, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, I loved what she did, and I don't know where she's going to go with that because clearly it's very difficult to come. For Chance or for Lord or for people like that, it's difficult to come with another record that's like that because, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to push that any further. And then the question will be, well, what, what else do you got? You know, what, you know, what other pitches do you have? Let's see them. Um, so he failed the badass test on Sunday because he won an award. And I think it was one of the first awards that they gave out. And then they started playing the music. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to keep on talking. And I thought, oh, okay. What do you got to talk about? And he said, yeah, and, uh, and uh, thank, thank these guys and, and, and thank God. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. I'm like, well, you didn't talk about nothing. Yeah. I thought you were, were going to talk about something, man. Well, you know, and that's always, an, again, that's sort of a prickly thing, too, because, you know, as I was saying, I, I think Grammys tend to matter more to people who are trying to climb the ladder. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think sometimes those people are the ones who feel like I shouldn't go up there and say anything really controversial because I don't want it to be about that. I want it to be about my winning and my performing, you know. But um, even taking the stance like I'm going to keep on talking. But then he talked for 10 more seconds and left. And right. I thought, well, right. Yeah. If you're going to say you're going to talk about something, talk about something. Or, or thank a bunch of people. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. I say agree. something. Yeah. But like I said, I'm not, I don't hate Chance. I just don't understand Chance. But maybe I'll give Chance another chance. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we are going to play Mountain or Molehill. 
everybody, Jim Shear and Lyle Presler on the Week in Music. So uh, right now I want to play Mountain or Molehill. I'm going to give you a little Grammy headline. You tell me if it's a mountain or molehill. So uh, earlier today, we were talking about Adele's tribute to George Michael. She performed a slowed-down version of Fast Love. She was a little out of tune, so she decided to start over. So Adele getting a mulligan at the Grammys, mountain or molehill? Well, I think it's a mountain considering her guts in doing it. Um... I think it's a mountain considering that she was willing to stop the song and say, you know what, I, I love this guy too much to screw this up like this. So I'm going to start it again. Um, her getting a mulligan. Love this guy? Love this guy or love myself too much? Well, no, I think it was, I don't think she really cared about that that much. I think she was disappointed in herself. Um, but I think that she wanted to do the song correctly for him. She certainly didn't want it sticking out there for the rest of eternity that here's the tribute to George Michael and it's all out of key and out of tune. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in that sense, but when I say a mountain, I mean a small mountain, like an East Coast mountain. Not like a <laughs> not like a wet, like a Rockies mountain or a Himalayan right. mountain, you know. I mean, as far as her getting a mulligan, I mean, I don't know what they were supposed to do. I mean, they, they had no choice. What are they going to do, cut to commercial? Um, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, she, she could... She definitely stopped it. It's funny. I I was I was working with a band uh, called Morchiba, and they were mm. they were on um, a, a show, a late night show, and the show had not been going well at all. It was Conan O'Brien's old show, and the show had not been going well. There had been the first stoppage they'd ever had because a woman was having a heart attack in the front row, and they'd never had a stoppage in the entire time that they'd been taping the show for ten years. And so that happened, and then Morchiba goes up there, and they start off, and she's out of out of key or out of tune, and she stops the song. And I thought I was I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I'm standing in the hall watching this going, and it was that moment where you feel like you should just start running so that no one will start yelling uh-huh. at you, you know. And it turns out the producers were like, "It doesn't matter. It's tape. We've already stopped. It's fine. Let them start again. And we'll just we'll edit it. It'll be fine." But I was like, "Okay." But so. So I, I, that was my experience with that uh moment. And I'm sure the people sitting in the truck were having a uh moment when she starts cursing, mm-hmm. when she's cursing, and then says we're doing it again. So, yeah. So I call this a mountain because it establishes a dangerous precedent oh. for a show that already runs long. Oh, that's interesting. Now everyone, well, hey, just like Adele did a couple years ago, I, I got to start, you know, I want to do it right. No, man. It's live music. Yeah. Make up for it in a second verse. Well, it was really bizarre. Finish strong. Because I, I almost was, I was about to take the trash out, okay? And, and then <laughs> as I was passing by the TV set downstairs, I, I saw, oh, it's Adele. And I went, oh, okay, let me stop for a second. And it started, and immediately I was like, there was two problems. Immediately it sounded weird to me, but then also her face looked like, like you know, she'd been hit by a hammer. You know, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, and then she got to the, the, the chorus, and I was like, oh, God. And I even you know, sort of said out loud, oh, God, she's not doing this again, is she? You know, this isn't happening again, you know, and sure enough. And then she stopped it, and then she went back in. But it's interesting you say that it could be a mountain because of that reasoning. But don't you figure that most people are not going to want to stop songs in general? 
I mean, most people... I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. I, I just sort of got the feeling that maybe there wasn't enough rehearsal on that song. And it was, like I said, such a weird arrangement. It was so weird. It just... And it made me... Like, I love Adele, but it it kind of put her in the diva category. Oh, yeah. Because she said, yes, I want to do it. I want to do it right for George Michael. But I believe before she said that, she's like, no, I'm not... This is not going to happen for a second year. No. So she was <laughs> talking about her, her other Grammy mess up. And then at the end, everyone was like, oh, you did great, Adele. Way to, way to finish. So they weren't cra- clapping about George Michael. They're like, yeah, you're so, yes, I'm so proud of you, Adele. I'm like, well, you should be proud of her. She does, this is what she does for a living. Well, and I get, yeah. I get it that she does, yeah, she has stage fright. You know, yeah. I, and then when she she apologized for swearing, if anyone knows, Adele has a mouth like a trucker. Oh, yeah, she always she's, swears. Oh, God, she's, she's, she's a, yeah, she's a drunken sailor. Um... But yeah, the interesting thing was when they showed pictures of other female singers in the audience, you could tell that all of them, especially Rihanna, had that, oh my God, this has happened to me moment. Like this is the this is the ultimate horror for a singer is mm-hmm. to be up there with only one note going ding, 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 and then you being off key. I mean, and I'm sure it's happened <laughs> to all of them at some point. It's just, I mean, like I said, it's like my moment of wanting to run because my band was now messing up, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it, it, it just, it, I could tell that like, especially Rihanna was just holding, almost holding her chest, like, oh my God, you know, this has happened to all of us and it can't be happening. And I, I think you're right. Her, her failure and then recovery upstaged the whole concept mm-hmm. that it was about George Michael. Yeah. I think you're right. Because I think, and maybe I'm wrong, if she starts off weak and then finishes strong, people are like, oh, that was okay. And then it just kind of drifts away in the ether and we never talk about it again. Right, right. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so uh, Mountain or Molehill, while Metallica and Lady Gaga was performing, James Hetfield's mic wasn't on Mountain or Molehill. Well, it's a uh, it's a molehill. I mean, technical problems happen in, in all situations. I mean, it's, and they let me like, jump in. Molehill for me too. Yeah. Come on, freaking America! I, I can't believe this was one of the headlines of the Grammys. Oh, and, and I thought it was it was interesting though. Like, if you noticed, as soon as they, the song ended, he just kicked that mic. Like it was like bad dog. <laughs> he he kicked that <laughs> thing over, and then he took his guitar and he threw it to his uh, his tech. But the way he threw it was so awkward, I couldn't believe the tech caught it. It wasn't one of those. It wasn't one of those soft like here you go. I'm just sort of laying it up there, kind of softball like. He threw that yeah. thing, and if it had twisted a little bit further, I don't think the guy would have caught caught it because um, he was clearly angry, which you can imagine. I mean, listen, nobody wants to go up there after rehearsing and and everything, and then have that happen to him. But then again, anybody who's ever played music, this happens all the time. I mean, most- no, I heard, yeah, no, I heard on the, the West Coast feed, you could hear him, and then on the online feed, you could also hear him. Interesting. So it was a television thing. Okay. So you just couldn't hear him on the East Coast feed when he was playing live on television. Right. Well, he clearly couldn't hear himself, though, because he realized, right. like, he realized that he wasn't hearing himself in, in the monitor, so he knew that something was wrong, because that's why he moved over and started singing into her mic, uh, or the center yeah. mic. Yeah, to me, it's total molehill. Yeah. Because how many times, for a band like Metallica, oh. who's played thousands of shows, how many times has has a piece of audio equipment failed on you? Oh, I mean, listen. Prob- probably in the thousands. Oh, listen, and, and you know, most people don't notice it. 
I, I can remember going to a show, I think it was a Billy Idol show, and something horrible was happening with Steve Stevens' guitars. And he was getting more and more frustrated, and the, and the roadies were trying to fix it, and they were trying to figure out what was going on, and he was losing his mind. And I was talking to people, I'm like, oh my God, Steve Stevens is losing his mind. And they were like, what? Nobody notices that stuff. I mean, with a singer, it's a little more obvious if you just can't hear them. But mo- most people mm-hmm. don't even notice, or they think it's part of it or something. But the other thing is, again, Metallica didn't complain after the show. I mean, it was no. like, they didn't, because they know. It's like, it sucks. It's it's terrible. You hate it. But, yes. but it's like, it's it's what happens. Particularly if you're a band like Metallica, where everything's got to like go all the time, you know? Because I know a lot of Metallica fans hated that Lady Gaga was singing, and they said, she just made it about herself. Well, first of all, what's Lady Gaga supposed to do? Right, exactly. She's a performer, too. Right. She's got to go 110%. And by the and way- And I think she kind of saved the performance because she was taking the mic and she was sticking it into James's face. I, I agree, and I think that, and I think, again, they're, they wanted to do it with her, and they enjoyed it. So, you know, whatever. Get over it, Metallica fans. <laughs> yeah. Molehill. Uh, Mountainer Molehill, Greg Kirsten, who uh, wrote the song of the year, Hello, was cut off before he could give his speech. I, I was, I thought that was horrible. That was just horrible. You going Mountainer Molehill? I, well, I think it's a molehill in, in the history of the world. Um, but I think, but in the Grammys, Mountain or Molehill? Well, I think it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a mountain for the Grammys because I think, as you and I have discussed, we still, we, they still seem to have never really articulated the idea that that award is for the songwriters. It's mm-hmm. and and again, and I understand like it's the songwriters, but we have seen situations where artists have got gone up there and said and turned the mic over to the writers, and said, mm-hmm. you know, hey, you talk because you wrote the damn thing. You know, so, I mean, I thought she grabbed it a little bit, and then he was left in the cold. And I think the Grammys, maybe in the future, it might be better to have just the songwriters go up. You know? Yeah, I get it, the whole get-off-the-stage music. Yeah. Because you want to keep the show tight. But it's a mountain to me, because you have to respect the freaking song of the year. Well, that well, It's that's the guy it, who wrote the song of the year. And particularly as she had already said, this is a guy who left his, his home in the United States, yes. left his kids <laughs> yes. at home, and would come over and try to convince me to work on something that I didn't want to work on. I mean, you know, she'd already set the thing up, so for God's sakes, give the man a chance to, to yes. be gracious about it, at least... Yeah, no, I think it was a, just a very unfortunate moment. I felt very bad for that guy. Really did. Really now, did. Now, fortunately, Adele won two more awards, mm-hmm. so he got to speak. Yes, he did so get to speak. So it makes it less of a mountain. Yes. But if Adele never went up there again, then it, we're talking mountains but, out west. But did you see how many people got on stage with her when she won <laughs> Album of the yeah, Year? Yeah, for Album of the Year. It takes a village to make an Adele record. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> And it takes yes, a couple of Swedish guys, too, apparently. <laughs> so, um, oh... We didn't talk about this. It was one of my favorite moments of the Grammys. 21 pilots <laughs> accepting uh, their Grammy in their underpants. I loved Did it. Did you catch that? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I thought it was great. I thought it was great because, you know, it, it, it was an inside joke for them, which is good. Um, and it was obvious, and he articulated it properly to explain. Yes. Which I thought was great because, you know, otherwise people would have gone, oh, these guys are just being clowns. But he articulated it, and I also think that it captured um, a lot of uh, 
a lot of what they are, which is, you know, a, a fiercely independent band that has grown an audience over mm-hmm. the years. And, you know, if you remember before when they won an award, I, my favorite moment was when he's like, and we'd like to thank, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> you know, he thanked the fans <laughs> and then didn't thank anybody else. It's like, that's it. <laughs> We're done. Um, when he got up there, well, first of all, they took down their pants and I thought, oh, this is a this is gonna be like a Trump thing or something. And I thought, all right, here, let's see what you got. Yeah. And then he went up there and he said, hey, when we were watching the Grammys before we were anyone, I noticed that we were all in our underpants and we joked, hey, if we ever win one, let's accept it in our underpants. <laughs> right. And I thought, to me, that was rock and roll. Yeah. So I I just see like in America this flat line of rock and roll, and that gave rock and roll a little blip. Yeah, like, that was blip. good. Yeah, I agree. Spirit of rock and roll and the the spirit of suburbia. I've been there, watching award shows in my underpants. So, uh, birthdays today, Lyle. We have a few birthdays. Uh, Connor Oberst from Bright Eyes. Oh, yeah. Otherwise known as Bright Eyes is 37. Brandon Boyd, singer of Incubus, is 41. Birdman, Mr. Cash Money, is Mm -hmm. 48. Um... Brooks Wackerman, who plays drums with Bad Religion, is 40, one of mm. the youngest members of the band. Uh, mm-hmm. Ronnie Venucci Jr., who's the drummer for The Killers, is 41. The Killers. And Gary Clark Jr., who had a nice performance on the Grammys, is 33. Yep. I remember we did one of The Killers' first live live concerts on TV, and... All the band members had to sign a stack of posters, uh-huh. and everyone was kind of begrudgingly doing it, but Ronnie had a big smile on his face, <laughs> and they're like, wow, you're happy about this. He's like, yeah, I love doing this. <laughs> so I, I wonder if Ronnie still has that same attitude. Oh, I hope so. But it was refreshing that he, he wanted to sign the stack of posters. Yeah, I, I mean, he's had a pretty good career. I, I would think that he it'd be nice if he maintained his enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, the number one single on the Billboard Hot 100 this week, Shape of You from Ed Sheeran. The uh, number one album on the Billboard 200, I Decided, from Big Sean. The number one song on iTunes, Shape of You, from Ed Sheeran. The uh, the number one album on iTunes is actually an EP, I Make the Static, from uh, Joy Via. And the number one song on Spotify, Shape of You, from Ed Sheeran. All right, uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, Lila and I have our music picks of the week. This story, uh, it starts in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, it was a few years ago, and it was before Josh and I were able to make money playing music, and um, I called him up, and I said, hey, Josh, you want to come over to my rental house and watch the Grammys? Uh, And and he said, yeah, who's hanging there? I said, it's a couple of my roommates just coming to watch the Grammys with us, and uh, as we were watching, we noticed that every single one of us was in our underwear. And seriously, Josh turned to me, and we were no one at that time. He turned to me and he said, you know, if we ever go to the Grammys, if we ever win a Grammy, we should receive it just like this. So, not only is this amazing, but I want you, everyone who's watching at home to know that you could be next. So watch out, okay? Because anyone from anywhere can do anything. This is that. Hey, everybody. Jim Shear and Lyle Presler on the Week in Music. 
Wow, we we totally broke down the Grammys. We did. We broke it down. Now we got to build it back. And we could have probably, <laughs> yeah, broke it down for another two hours. Right. A lot, a lot that happened at the Grammys. It's a dense show. But now it is time for our music picks of the week. Mine, very simple. Wake me up before you go go from Wham. Uh, and this is my song pick of the week, just to prove to the world that George Michael was a fun entertainer who liked to sing pop music. You don't need to get deep. You don't need to slow it down. Sometimes you can just keep it simple like they should have done at the Grammys. Here is Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go from Wham. Why, why not do a, a, car, a carpool karaoke of that with everyone in the auditorium singing along? I, I agree with you. I agree with you, and, and, I, and I don't know why. I'm sure it came up. I mean, I can't imagine because it Because you know, you know, Lyle, that George Michael did the first ever carpool karaoke before it was called carpool karaoke. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It makes sense. In fact, they could have just shown a clip of that. You know? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And, and, um, you know, at the time it wasn't my favorite thing in the world. Um, it was a time when I really didn't listen to a lot of pop music and found a lot of it to be a little, little fay and a little cloying and a little this and a little that. But in retrospect, I have to say that it, it, it has, even now it's refreshing sounding. It sounds like a, Mm -hmm. it sounds like a cool drink of lemonade on a hot day in many ways. Yes. You know? I want to do the Carlton dance while singing that song. That's right. That's right. Now your song pick, we alluded to it earlier. Right, I uh, I understand that uh, Depeche Mode has a new some new offerings out, and um, I singled out their new song "Where's the Revolution" off their Spirit mm-hmm. LP, um, and uh, I think the lyrics sort of speak for themselves. All right, here we go. Where's the revolution from Depeche Mode? You've been You've been pushed around You've been lied to You've been fed truth Who's making your decisions? Junkies 
That's what I was saying after a Tribe Called Quest performance. Yeah. I like it that the old guys are protesting, but where's the revolution from the, the younger artists? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to say that I'm not going to say that it, it as a song it stands up necessarily to their best work. Um, you know, there's a little bit of uh, personal Jesus guitar in there and stuff. Um the three guys are still. I mean, Dave Gahan may have you know a, a picture somewhere, a Dorian Gray type thing going on, <laughs> where he just you know it's like he goes and opens the, the curtains and goes, "Aha, you're still here." So I can still look the same and I can still sing the same. Um, but uh, and considering all that he's been through, it's pretty amazing that he's still doing it. Um, but uh, I think people tend to forget like how significant Depeche Mode was in the whole uh, electronic pop music world. Um, and, mm-hmm. and also, if you've never seen them play, I'm going to tell you that if you're, if you're there, like that's about as heavy a band as you, as you can get. I mean, it's right up there with Nine Inch Nails and Ministry, and it's right up there with the, the heavyweights of rock, too, both in terms of volume <laughs> and in terms of impact. So uh, there you go, our music picks of the week. We're going to take one more break, and when we come back, we will play Ask Lyle. I can't possibly accept this award, and I'm very humbled, and I'm very grateful and gracious, but my artist of my life is Beyonce in this album to me. The Lemonade album was just so monumental, Beyonce. It was so monumental and so well thought out and so beautiful and soul-bearing and we all got to see another side to you that you don't always let us see and we appreciate that and all us artists here we fucking adore you you are our light and the way that you make me and my friends feel the way you make my black friends feel is empowering and you make them stand up for themselves and i love you i always have and i always will grammys i appreciate it the academy i love you my manager my husband and my son you're the only reason I do it. Thank you so much. Thank you very much to everybody. Back from the break. Time to play Ask Lyle. Ask Lyle. Tori Kale Schultz, Lyle, listens to our show every week. And she tries to be the first one to listen when it's posted. And she wrote you a big, long question today. Okay. And I think we've hit on a lot of this, but I guess whatever we didn't hit on, you can answer. Okay. In a Grammy evening seemingly full of fails, what was the biggest, or rather, what would bother you the most as an entertainer? And she gives some examples. Mm. Metallica Mike, and No Introduction, Adele's Restart, Carpool Karaoke of a Completely Random Song, Fast Love instead of many more popular George Michael songs, Greg Kirsten not getting to speak, Jolene getting country duo group Grammy, Travolta not seeing the small print, Megadeth walking up to Megadeth walking up to Master of Puppets. <laughs> I didn't even know about the last one. <laughs> now, what does she mean by that? Because I know I know Megadeth won a Grammy. 
<laughs> I must have been in the ceremony beforehand, right? Did somebody oh, did somebody screw up like the, the pre-show? Oh. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, given the history of the two of the principles, that is amazing. I know. That's I mean that to me. I don't know if 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 I were Dave Mustaine, would I be laughing? Or I mean, maybe he's gotten to the point where he can laugh at that because it's it's so ridiculous. Um, well, there's a meme of him laughing. Pulling out a plug, <laughs> insinuating that he's the one that pulled the plug on the Metallica performance. Oh, that's funny. That's good. Yeah. In a night full of fails, what was the biggest, or rather, what would bother you the most as an entertainer? As an entertainer, you mean if I'm actually entertaining? If I'm doing the entertaining? Um, yeah. I, I think I... You as an entertainer. I think I would have been most pissed about the mic not working. Yeah. 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 I mean, because because, again, you know, you rehearse so carefully. Um, you've got it's the, you know, go and then stop. Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden you're 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 rendered completely uh, useless up there. Um, yeah, I think that would pro- I probably would have had the pretty much the same reaction that James did. I would have kicked the mic over and I would have thrown my guitar. Well, I probably wouldn't have thrown my guitar because I only have a couple. <laughs> but he has like 40. But um <laughs> but uh maybe it's his favorite. Um but uh yeah, I think that would have bothered me the most. I think the thing about the Adele thing that doesn't wouldn't bother me because she was in control, right? She was able to say mm-hmm. stop and start again. Um, she wasn't, she wasn't a victim to that process. So that would probably bother me the most. Um, I think going back to, to not being able to speak about your writing. I mean, I think most of those songwriters kind of accept that that's what's going to happen. I don't think many songwriters who write for other people expect that they're necessarily going to get the stage. You know, I think they, Mm -hmm. they sort of know, listen, that's why I write songs for big stars so that they can sing them. Um, and by the way, they they laugh all the way to the bank. That's a good deal. But yeah, I would I would say probably if I was performing it, the the mic thing would bother me the most. Yeah, but it happens, it and the happen. show must go on. And even if Metallica wanted to restart the performance, it'd be kind of awkward. Well, yeah, because you'd be saying, you'd be "Let's restart it." there, and yeah. then the, 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 the text come out, and, and then like, you do, go, do my, "Mic check, one, 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 yeah, one. check, 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 check," and then you go, "Okay, now we'll do it." <laughs> you know, if, if if it was the start of your show, um, or even somewhere in the middle of your show, you could pull it off. But on mm-hmm. live television, with a certain amount of time allotted to you that you've planned out, that that wouldn't happen. That can't happen. Yeah. Although, as you point so, out, maybe uh, it's going to happen a lot more. Let's see. <laughs> the, yeah, there's a new precedent now. So uh, that will do it uh, for our recap of the 59th annual Grammy Awards, number 60, happening next year. For Lyle Presler, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yins later. Ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building.